You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. There, now it's working. Hi, Diana. Is it just me, or is there some weird energy going on? There is. There's uh, a lot of weird energy. I don't know how I would describe said energy. I would say agro-sass. Agro-sass. <laughs> We're aggressively mean, but in a loving kind of way. Uh, and also, I feel like... Like, there's mishap energy in the air as, as yeah. well. Like, there's yeah. just a natural draw for... For just some chaos, maybe. Chaos, hijinks, etc. Anyway. Hygienes. What? What is this? What is this? This is a conversation between two people that is being recorded to post on the internet. Yeah, and we hope no one is listening to it. Diana, why do they call a podcast a podcast? Didn't we do this once where we <laughs> didn't we discuss this? And but it, did we ever look it up? Yes. And I already forgot what it means. Is it because of iPods? That's what you said last time. <laughs> I distinctly remember you saying that it was because of iPods. But you know what? No, no more of this cliffhangery stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. It's, yeah, it is. It's because of iPod. Uh, it's because of iPod. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is a portmanteau, or portmanteau, however you say that. Uh, I don't of say iPod that. and broadcast. And it was first suggested. <laughs> Somehow I feel like this is lying to me because it credits a Guardian columnist uh, who invented it in February 2004. And I kind of don't know if I trust that. But that's what that's what Wikipedia is telling me. So we'll go with that. I know in my heart that right now that Guardian columnist is at a bar telling people that telling he came up everyone <laughs> he knows that and no he, one cares or no believes one. him. Least of all me. I definitely don't believe him and <laughs> I just read it in an article. Well, welcome to our podcast. We invented the term podcast. Prove it. We did. We did. I invented it while on a ski trip with my sister in 2001. So that predates uh, the internet. So-called Guardian article. So yes, yeah. nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So this is Femsplain podcast. <sighs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that energy. What are you doing with this thing in the background? I just see. I was trying to get the. Ow! I hit my face. <laughs> I'm trying to get the little uh, poppin filter because I remember that I got feedback that my microphone's bad. Your microphone's not bad. We were just we we were lazy for a couple of episodes and recorded via Zoom, and it it kind of <laughs> degraded the sound quality of your mic, which is not your mic's fault. Uh, right. Anyway, this is Femsplain. Jesus. <laughs> This is a podcast, I guess, uh, where uh, the femmes have the mic, but everyone of every gender identity is welcome to listen, laugh, and learn, and love, and 
uh, all other emotions with us. Uh, we are really just carving out space for ourselves to talk about things in an environment where no one can tell us that we're wrong. <laughs> Even when we are. Even when we are, especially when we are. Yeah, which as um, it turns out, often. Yes. But before we get into that, Avalon, what has nerd culture done for you lately? So I, uh, on some fairly short notice, found out that I needed to move houses with yeah. my tiny, tiny baby and my husband. <laughs> I guess I should <laughs> clarify. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it seems like maybe, maybe Francis the Mansplainer did something fucked up. So you had to move on really short notice. Yeah, I had to move on short notice. It's the most boring story in the world, but it's been a pain in the butt. Anyway, all I've been uh, really having time to do is to uh, stare at live play D&D. So I've been following that a little bit more. Like I've found some that I'm kind of really getting into outside of the epic critical role, uh, which has taken me a while because every time I've tried to watch smaller streamers, there's been something about it that like, yeah, I haven't really been able to get on board with um, anything beyond a one shot, I think. But uh, I've been watching Fate's End, which I really enjoy. It's on Mondays. Yeah, I, I see you it. retweeting it. I haven't I haven't been able to watch that one yet because I'm full. I, yeah. My docket is absolutely full to the brim, but um, but I've seen them around. Yeah, I um, so it doesn't appear to me that anyone involved in it is super active on Twitter, aside from the just sort of their streaming mm-hmm. schedule. Uh, but the amount of effort that has gone into the um, I don't know, the overlay and some of the character development and the maps and stuff like that, it feels really high level to me. Like it feels very professional to me. Um, For all I know, the um, producer and GM, I I think that, so one of the players and the GM, I perceive to maybe be a couple. Um, And then like, maybe they're in charge of the stream. It kind of feels that way. I could be wrong. Um, but it seems like a partnership in some capacity. Um, so I don't know if they've been doing a lot outside of the stream or prior to it, but it seems like the channel just launched, but it launched hard. <laughs> so just really impressive to me. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check it out as soon as I get caught up on a million yeah. shows. Yeah. I think it's only like three episodes in. Oh, okay. That's really manageable. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I think that part of the reason why I'm as excited about it as I am is that I uh, caught like the first episode live, so I kind of felt oh yeah that arbitrarily gets you, like I was a part yeah, of it. Yeah, that gets yeah. you really attached. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I finally caught up on the um, podcast, not live, not not a live play of uh, Fast Times. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Which obviously everyone loves because it's quite impactful and fun (laughs) well i'm glad (laughs) well i'm glad that you found some uh some nerdy entertainment time in the absolute chaos that you've been thrust into uh on top of all the other chaoses that are just stacked on top of one another yeah it's too many it's too many (laughs) and i apologize listeners for uh the fact that i no longer sleep 
Yeah. Avalon said goodbye to sleep. She thought she said goodbye to sleep when she had a baby. And then. <laughs> yeah. And then it turned out <laughs> double goodbye when you start moving only when the baby's asleep. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, uh, Diana, what has nerd culture done for you? Well, you know what? A lot. And oh. nothing simultaneously. Oh. Fuck nerd culture then. Fuck it. <laughs> Done. No, I I actually have been having um, a lot of stress inside of my body and it is nothing to do with nerd culture. So I've been really grateful for all of the shows people have been putting out. It's been really nice. Um however full my queue is right now but I've been really excited um I got in kind of on the ground floor with a new show called Realms Apart that I started watching uh I started watching it when the first episode was behind a paywall but it's now officially launching like for the public and I'm like super excited so they're doing like two they're doing like an edited down podcast version where all the ums and ahs have been edited out and everything is like really condensed. But they're also playing it live unedited uh, when, you know, as the episodes are coming out on their Twitch show. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. But I did watch the first like fully edited one. Um, and there are a lot of very cool people in there that I've already mentioned like 17 times on here. <laughs> Uh, so needless to say, I'm really into it. Obsessing over Pirates of Leviathan. I was going to ask. so freaking out about Pirates of Leviathan. First of all, okay. It's behind a paywall though, right? No. Oh, I looked so hard for it. I thought it was. Oh, maybe it is and I just already paid for it and forgot. That's oh. possible. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, maybe it is, but... All right, so I I have never talked about Dimension 20 on here for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but Dimension 20 was like... I, it, it's silly to say this because they are ridiculously popular. Like they, they, are, they are pretty big. But to me, they were kind of like this secret thing I didn't know about for all this time that I was like listening to Critical Role and like didn't know that this other show existed that was like... So you have critical role that's like voice actors and the drama is like really, really heavy and like the the potential for for the skill level of everybody at the table in terms of making their characters feel very real is very high quality. And then the other one I that I was aware of was like um, The Adventure Zone with the McElroy brothers. And like sure. that's like super silly all the time, laughs a million and no one's really taking things seriously. And Dimension 20 has been sitting here this whole time being like the perfect center of those two things with like so much comedy and so much drama and like all this cool stuff. So when they announced that they were doing a new show with some of the Critical Role cast members and like and Christina Ariel and like all like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, episode one was really good, uh, really funny so full of heart already and I'm seeing it now kind of get a boost in attention and I'm here for it so um I'm really excited about that that makes me feel good plus we are getting very close to October meaning that all of my shows are about to come out which I still can't talk about but it's gonna be great 
Uh, I can talk about the fact that we're doing Sleepway on October 3rd with uh, Brie, who is on the podcast, Ooh. and uh, KP from KP Photos, who... Um, uh, if you've been on like TTRPG Twitter, he does a lot of like D and D cosplayer photography. So he's uh, really awesome, um, and uh, and just a couple of other really great role players that I haven't seen do a lot of shows. So I wanted to like pick people who ha haven't been on uh, screen a lot, and we are doing a GMless game called Sweep Away, Sleep Away. Um, that is like an eldritch horror game that takes away takes place at a sleepaway camp, and you play the counselors that uh, have to make sure that the children don't get eaten by the eldritch creature that lives at the sleepaway camp. <gasps> That's so cool! <laughs> it's oh, and fun. so good for October. It's very fun. We're gonna kick off October with it. It's also a very like fun game in terms of the character creation like part of the character creation is like to pick your gender and the gender is things like uh you know a old forgotten bottle of mist uh and <laughs> like just really <laughs> weird concepts uh that you can kind of play with and uh yeah so i'm very excited about that very excited for the new campaign that i promise i will talk about one day <laughs> uh, probably right before it launches and that's it. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic. So let's let's <laughs> let's, let's have someone introduce it. Yeah. Putting one minute on the man watch and go. Spiritfarer, listen, when I heard there was a game where you are a captain on a ship ferrying the souls of the damned, and all day long they do menial labor for you, paying for their crimes while you confront them about their various regrets and sins, until inevitably you drag them to the gaping maw of the void and hurl them in, body and soul, I thought to myself, that's a pretty cool sounding game. But then I played it, and it's just another cartoony chore simulator. It's Animal Crossing. It's my summer in Mara. It's my time at Portia. It's my time wasted. My friends, it is the midst of a quarantine. What do we have to do other than chores? That's all we've got. Playing video games and chores. Why should we mix those two activities into one activity? That is reducing our activities by half. I don't get it. I don't like it. Screw this game. And that's your Mansplain Minute. All right. I don't care what Francis said. Uh, I'm just so excited to talk about this game. Um, this is a game called Spiritfarer that yes. came into my life and out of it too quickly. Oh, like, no. All at once. And so I've been dying to speak about it. Um, so it's a video game that launched this year from a indie uh company called thunder lotus i think mm -hmm. and um i know i mentioned on the podcast maybe last week that you know it kind of came into my life during a, an injury so i was like stuck in bed and all i could do is play this game for like 72 hours straight while i was healing and it was the best thing it's really rare 
for a video game to to do this to me. It's pretty much like the Dragon Age games and this uh, that have made me fall in love so hard and so fast. Um, and I know that Francis is playing it, so you've at least seen it. You've been watching it. Somewhat, yeah. Bit. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, well, obviously. We have a, uh, yeah. Uh, we have a tendency to, like, I don't know. If I'm enjoying the narrative of a game he's playing, it becomes almost like a, a, a Netflix show where it's like, don't get ahead without me. Um, and yeah. this one, he did a little bit, not intentionally. I think he was really trying to. But uh, it has definitely impacted my level of investment. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the game, and I will try not, because it is a brand new game, so I'm not going to be that jerk who spoils anything. Oh, damn. Usually so we're spoiler heavy, so that's I very I know. Thoughtful. I won't spoil, spoil, but I will give you, <laughs> basically the game advertises itself as a cozy management game about death, which is exactly what it is. It's the most concise description I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> yes, it is a game where, similar to maybe Animal Crossing or... Um, Terraria or other games like that, you are managing resources, collecting things, and keeping your friends, the people with you happy through that management of resources. But there is a narrative, which is something that is not common in games like uh, Animal Crossing and stuff like that, where there is an ongoing narrative that flows throughout the entire game. And that is that you are... Stella, uh, uh, the brand new spirit fairer, which is some sort of spiritual job that everyone in this universe seems to know about and is comfortable with the existence of, uh, which is a ferryman between the land of the living and the afterlife. So <laughs> your goal is to take these passengers that have come onto your boat and fulfill their last wishes and hopefully make them as happy as possible before they are ready to go to the Everdoor, which is their last stop on the way to the afterlife. So that's your, that's the goal of the game. That's the plot of the game. But there's like, so there's more to it than that, which I guess is a little bit of a spoiler, but there's more plot that comes up about you, about your life and your connection to these individuals that you're ferrying. The game itself in terms of gameplay is really interesting because it's not just like collecting resources, crafting them, and then giving those things to other people or where they're needed because like each crafting thing is its own mini game. So there are like 10 or 15 little mini games that are baked into the everyday gameplay of this game. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah, it is. And something that I think stands out to me about this game is that music is like a whole character in the game. Hmm. Music is like built, it's like baked in from the ground level into the gameplay where it kind of changes the whole mood of the game at times 
uh, obviously. It like signifies certain events really well. Um, but it's also like baked into these mini games in certain different ways where you have to like participate musically or um, in some cases you are literally catching music notes out of the sky. Like oh. there are there are a lot of ways in which music is very, very prominent in this game, which I, I I don't know why I just, but that just felt really impactful to me that it was not just a backdrop to the game. It was really, really um, essential. So how many of these mini games would you say there are? I, I think there's at least 10. Okay. And you, you encounter them frequently. Um, and there's two types. So there's like a crafting mini game and then there's a like catching mini games. So there's mm. like you could craft linens, you can craft uh, uh, wood from logs, you can kind of craft stone. Some of them are easier than others. Like linen, you are literally just hitting a button at exactly the right moment. Mm -hmm. Others are like you have to have some agility with your controller and it's a little bit difficult and there are... Um, some time frames and timing and things like that. And then there are these catching games, which are location based. So you will sail your boat into a particular area, say a lightning storm or other things. And you will have to kind of learn what cues to look for and run all over this boat to try to collect items, whatever they might be. And then those things get used to make other stuff in the game. I've seen the lightning one. Yeah. At so least. There yeah. wind up being similar to the lightning one, but like increasing in difficulty, there wind up being like like five more of those types of uh, of collecting mini games. And something that's interesting is like each crafting thing and each catching thing, they all have one of your passengers that are attached to it. So like whichever passenger teaches you how to do this, introduces you to it, like that becomes their like game. They will always be the one that's with you when you play it or like when oh. you participate in it. So that is, I mean, it's something that just like forces you to remember like and build associations with each of these passengers, mm -hmm. which is an important part of the game because the point is that you're supposed to build attachments to these people, um, become attached to them, build a relationship with them, build an association with them. And then ultimately the goal of the game is to send them to the afterlife. So you do have to say goodbye and continue playing the game without them. Mm. So, it, so each passenger has their own game? Uh, so yes, each passenger has their own game and the games keep coming up after they've gone. Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so what will happen is that in their little location where they normally would be during the game, uh, you know, a notification will come up. So you'll still have to go and visit where they would, where they used to be essentially oh. uh, each time you play this game. So I get even just from the trailer that each passenger um, 
has a story that unfolds about the life that they lived as a part of them moving on, which I think is probably a, a large chunk of the appeal. Do these stories, are they related to one another? Some of them are, and some of them are directly related to you also as the main oh. character. The first couple of passengers that you get are relatives of yours. Um, explicitly, uh, I have some theories about that. I, I have theories that the rest of them are also mm. uh, people that you know. Um, but explicitly, the first couple passengers you pick up are your relatives in real life who have, uh, you know, who have passed on before you took this job. Um, and now you're helping them. And then there are others that you meet along the way. And they do each have stories. Some of them, there's a married couple that come onto the boat at one point. Uh, there are siblings that come onto the boat at another point. Um, so some of them have relations with each other. And then they all have, whoever's living together at certain points, they get along differently. Some don't like each other, some do. Uh, so there's a little bit of a social aspect to the game as well, especially because you're trying to keep everybody happy. Um, and I think that like something that was very important to me in this game or like impactful about this game was that these characters are all very deeply flawed, like, and they don't become unflawed in the afterlife, I guess, is something. Like, they're not suddenly, like, all perfect or angelic or anything like that. They're, they're still very much, like, flawed human beings. Um, flawed in what kind of a way? I'm sure it varies, but... It does. It varies. But, like, if they were a little bit, like, pompous or selfish or whatever, like, they, mm. they, they still are that way. If they're a little bit of a jerk, a little aggressive or... Um, you know, judgmental, et cetera. Like the, all those traits like stay with them, which is something that I think is like a very, there's a very Western idea of death that like, that like the only people who deserve like peace in the afterlife are like people who are so great and perfect. Yeah. Like, or that have achieved some sort of like repentance for their flaws. Where in this, it's just sort of like, Everybody who wants to move on gets to go there. Yeah. Like, when they're ready. Like, they didn't have to, like, earn it. It's just a part of life. Is there um, a sense of growth or a journey for the character that you're playing as? Yes. At first, that seems like basically your journey is to accept that this is your new job. Like, that... You're learning the ropes of this new job. There was this being that was doing it before you who's been doing it for some unknown, extremely long period of time. And now it's you, and that's like your the beginning of your journey. However, later on, you learn that there's more to it, and I won't go into that because uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too spoilery. And it's also the thing that like made me fall completely apart <laughs> so oh, yeah. i i won't i won't ruin that for anybody um the artwork also is so cute so cute like and the like metric by which they judge how happy a character is 
is exactly how I would gauge how happy I've been. <laughs> and that's basically like, have I eaten something I've liked recently? Have I been hugged recently? <laughs> and is that, has anyone been mead to me lately? <laughs> Those yeah. are the three things. Uh, and basically that's, uh, that's how they judge how content people are. And I think that that's really fair. How funny. Or is it, um, is it finicky to keep them happy? Like, is it, are you really scrambling? Cause you have a lot of passengers, right? To take care of at the same time. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I think the maximum amount that I ever had at one point was four or f- mm-hmm. maybe five. Um, but people are constantly leaving and then, and then coming aboard. So it's rare that you have that, that many on, to, on at once. But I would say that it's, it's not terribly too hard as long as you are trying to keep, you know, to keep everybody happy. They all remind you when they need stuff. And then like, you're not really like penalized in to lasting away. Like if you hug someone that doesn't want to be hugged, like they don't, they don't like hold it against you for a long period of time or anything like that. It's there's low stakes uh, in terms of making an error in the game. So it seems like, a lot of fun mini games set around impactful stories. Yes. Is it very much on a rail? Apparently no. I kind of assumed it was because there are some like level locked things that you can't do until you've, you know, accomplished a certain goal. But I've been like looking at different online forums and people have done things in way different orders and have accomplished things in, in way different orders. I would say that the, the only way in which it is on a rail is that like really the outcome is always the same, no matter what at the end, the Mm -hmm. end you have delivered all of these passengers to the afterlife and they are happy and they have gone and moved on to the next stage. Uh, And that, you know, that's always going to be the case. Um, so, like, it's not like you can dramatically change anything in this game uh, or anything like that, which is odd because that's usually what I go for in a game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it is It is just like reading a storybook more than it is, you know, an RPG. Um, would you think, in hindsight, that if you had experienced the characters' stories in a different sequence that it would impact your gaming experience? I think it probably would have, at least in some little ways. Like, there are um, characters that I missed more and were deaths, like, uh, goodbyes that I was more torn up over. And if I had, like held on to those characters until later in the game and said goodbye to the ones I didn't feel as close to or whatever. Uh, I think that it could have been perhaps more painful or if like I had finished their tasks earlier and gotten, gotten them off the ship earlier, it would have been less impactful, but ultimately no. Cause uh, you know, at the end, like even like some of the characters I didn't care for that much still, saying goodbye to them was like a a moment that like it's a moment that I don't like in stories ever mm-hmm. and this game like forced that to to be like that's the plot of the game is that you have to 
Uh, but it's like my least favorite thing. And I think it was, uh, it was really powerful to confront that in, in a game. So it, what you said implies that you have some degree of control over when people leave. Yeah. You, you just like don't let them leave or. Yeah, you can keep them around or you can like delay doing, you can kind of tell when someone's given you their final quest, like their final uh. task. Uh, and then, and then you can like, they can tell you like, I'm ready to go and you can do other things, until, <laughs> right. you know, like before you take them there. But basically you can just, you could just not do that final task that they've clearly asked you because it's the one thing they need to do before they move on. So, okay. So we've established that I've seen some degree of gameplay, um, yeah. but still just the beginning, I think mostly, or, you know, the, maybe the first like 20% of the game or something like that. Sure. Um, one question that I had is, so I understand the concept that you're ferrying spirits, uh, but it seems to me that the spirits aren't arriving. It's like they've been there or there seems yeah. to be some kind of like whatever purgatory-esque world that you're in seems semi-permanent because mm -hmm. there are like people hanging out that you're not ferrying and they have like houses and stuff so I, I didn't know if yeah. maybe you could explain that a little absolutely. bit absolutely so there are like there in this world like this like purgatory-ish world where people are just kind of staying and hanging around they're all spirits like they don't they all look kind of the same they don't have their original like form and what you'll notice is when you talk to them a lot of them are all really hung up on like some like mundane uh task that or like or like some kind of trouble from their life like you know, there's one that you'll talk to and they'll just be like you know no, I'm not going to forgive my mom or like whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and they, you know, like just determined. And you're, I think the implication is that those are all these spirits that aren't even remotely ready to, to confront whatever thing that they left behind um, and aren't interested in taking that trip to move on. The spirits you meet are the ones that have been, you know, waiting in this little purgatory and now feel ready to take that last trip. Mm. <laughs> that reminds me when you said they all look the same. Um, I'm not sure that we've talked about what your passengers look like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so once you take one of these little like, like homogenous looking spirit ghosts onto your ship, they take their regular form of who they were in life. And they're all animals and they're all adorable. <laughs> so there's, I think the cutest one is the snake. The snake is the most adorable thing ever. Her name is Summer and I miss hugging her so Aww. bad. And, you know, there's like a couple of lions and a frog and a mushroom who is also my favorite. I think my second favorite one. There's something poofy floofy. I don't know what it's supposed to be. But it looks like a dog, lion, cat thing. Maybe it's just a lion. I think it's, it's tail. Its tail isn't right for a lion, though. It's like there's two lions, and one's a little poofier than the yeah. other. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. It looks like kind of like a growlith. 
sure. combined with like yes. <laughs> one of my cats. Yeah. Uh, so there are all these cute little animals that are very much human. I think something else that I love about this game is the dialogue is so well written and it is very much not a kid's game. Like they will talk about like everything from affairs to drugs to like robberies and and all kinds of things that were troublesome in their lives without really any um any holding back which i liked a lot uh, and the also, animation looks like it would be the for kids. Animation so it feels definitely looks like it it, it was juxtaposed made. i guess yeah absolutely yeah um it just like enhances the cuteness. You, however, similar in Animal Crossing, you're a human. Yeah. You're definitely human. Uh, with a pet animal. With a pet cat that is not human-esque. Although I do like the beginning because your cat like steals part of that like light magic so mm-hmm. that your cat can like participate with you. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so so who knows? <laughs> uh, it's very curious, but yes, they're all animals and you're a human. Got it. Is there, see, this is me skirting spoilers. Um, is there like a bad guy or is there like an evil thing that you have to sort fight? Of, sort of. Um, there's no enemy besides what i would say is the enemy is 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 stella avoiding uh some truths about her life stella being the main character the protag that you are playing so i i don't think there's there's not like a big bad but there mm. is like an overarching uh bad guy i guess a villain mm. plot point Okay. Yeah. There's something to fight besides just the challenges of. Yeah. And like, even when you're fighting things, like you fight these dragons, but you're not actually fighting the dragons. You're like saving these dragons from like this painful rock disease that they have. Oh, jeez. And and you're helping them. And there are great, like, there are great, like, turtles in the ocean that come and visit you at points it's just like it's so pleasant it's such a pleasant game and then you come into these like very deep moments periodically i think that's like that's something that is is important where it's just like you'll just be having the most peaceful time like just being cozy (laughs) and then something will hit you very hard in the chest (laughs) Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect for these Have times. Have you met Francis in the game? I know that somebody named Francis has happened because I remember Francis saying, oh, Francis. But I didn't, <laughs> oh, I you didn't have experience to it. it personally. It's the trash man. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the in-game trash man. He swims next to you on his boat and he's got a big pile of garbage and he takes all your garbage and then he tries to sell you some garbage oh perfect (laughs) what kind of animal i have no idea he just looks like he looks like the garbage lady from the labyrinth but it's a man named francis how perfect (laughs) yes (laughs) um 
one thing I was surprised by just in terms of the animation, because to me it looked it looked crisp and cartoony and cute, but I wasn't sort of enamored with it um, during, like when I saw the trailer during Nintendo Directs over the past few months. But then Francis put it on our big TV, and I was really surprised by the level of detail and stuff to the cartooniness. Like yeah. there's, there's more to it than I gave it credit for because it compresses so well on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. I do like playing it better on the TV. Yeah. It looks really pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been kind of interesting, too. Like, uh, it's brand new, and there have been some glitches that have now been, like, fixed and, and repaired. <laughs> and, like, going through that was kind of, like, a, an interesting thing that I've never experienced before. Like... I know it's it happens with video games, but I've always been late to the party with all mm-hmm. of my favorite games. So everything's been patched and stuff before. But this was kind of an interesting experience because there were a lot of like, I don't know. I, I In some way, it made me feel closer to the game, <laughs> which is like silly and ridiculous. But uh, I was just like so invested in in the team fixing things. Uh, so that I could get back to it, which is a yeah. thing I've never experienced before. I know that as a minor glitch um, I've seen, Francis has one of his sheep that won't go in the pen, and it's always like just like glitched up on a roof somewhere. <laughs> um, but it doesn't impact the gameplay. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. I like that. So I feel like... So this game is like... I. I think that for the first time in like several months is like the first thing to make me cry. Like, like oh. a lot, which is weird. Cause I'm usually a very prominent crier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not I'm, prominent, but it, it, it comes. I, I cry. <laughs> yes. uh, and so I guess probably because of like the volume of things that have been happening, uh, combined with like the, the doom scrolling and the, and the constant, dread and and everything like that and stuff with the hospital I feel like I kind of like turned off that in a way it's been a little numbing yeah at some point yeah and so this game like really touching on all the things that that I need most which is you know being able to stare death in the face and say goodbye and be okay with that and things like that um it really definitely got me in the feels pretty hard yeah um and also has provided a lot of comic relief because marty does a really good impression of me when i play that game (laughs) because it'll just be like three hours of me silent in bed staring at the switch in complete silence Mm -hmm. and then I'll just lift my head up and be like, <laughs> what, what, what's an example of something I'd say? Well, it's not every three hours. It's more like every half an hour or so. You'll just be sitting there silent, silent, and then you'll lift up your head and you'll be like, the bee didn't get a star in the musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, I just... You know, I just remember like one time I was sitting there silently for a while and then I like lifted my head up from the abyss of this game and was just like, I should hug her. She just said goodbye to someone she really cared about. And Marty was like, is this 
video game. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that it really <laughs> it really just put me in a very special frame of mind. It's also I think similarly to Animal Crossing where like it came out at a time where we were also doomed with the idea of never going outside again and seeing our friends again and and then this game came out where you could like talk to people and go fishing. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of like that where it's just like hugging people. Yeah. Talking to them. Making a meal for your friends. So Spiritfarer to me feels like gamifying social work. <laughs> like that, that's what I'm getting from it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely it. And and then, I, but then it really is about confronting death. Like, is the the whole point is, and it's something that, especially in video games, like you have this. You know, you usually have like an insular group of people with you all the time, and the goal of the game is to have all those people be your companions forever. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the goal is that you don't have to say goodbye at the end of the game. Um, and usually, like, if I'm thinking about Dragon Age, like, you know, one character leaving is, like, the devastating cliffhanger, like, mm. that that leads into the next game. Whereas in this, like, the goal is to say goodbye to everyone because that's what yeah. a healthy experience with death and moving on is supposed to be like, uh, which I don't have. I don't have mm. one of those. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been <laughs> really... It was a really interesting to have a game slap me with that. Yeah, uh, I bet. And yeah. I would think that that's probably a fairly common experience. It must be. I mean, I haven't really talked to other people who have finished the game yet. So I'm, I, I haven't really talked about my theories yet, which mm. is something that I, I desperately want to talk about. Um but yeah, it's just it's just such a cute game with such real things b- baked into them, uh, mm-hmm. baked into it. Uh, plus, it's adorable. I just want to <laughs> hug all of those little critters, and your cat. Your cat is very cute. The cat is really cute. The cat does such cute things. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, there are so many little details in this game that you could just not notice. But like when you jump in the water, like yeah. off the boat, and yes. the cat, <laughs> the cat doesn't go in the water because it's a cat. It doesn't like to swim. Yeah. So it like does a little balancing act on the little ball, and <laughs> yeah, and it like runs on it like yeah. a log kind of. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Um, you know, there there are just these little. These little details that are are so nice and so good. Does it feel finished to you or like in a year if you heard they were developing a sequel, how would you feel? I I guess it would depend on whether or not my assumption about what the ending of that game was. Because if my assumption is correct, the game is finished. Like if I'm not, then there could definitely be uh, a second game and I would be all for it. But mm-hmm. if my hypothesis about the ending is right, then we kind of got the full message and the full story um, pretty wrapped up. There's, I, I liked that there were no stakes in failure in the game. 
Mm. Really? Like you couldn't, you couldn't fail so hard at anything that you didn't get a chance to do it over or that it set you back really with the exception of just like having to do it over, mm-hmm. which for a game like this, I think is important. Like, you know, you, you're, you're not miss you're not going to miss anything in this game, you know, if, as long as you keep playing. Yeah. I have really enjoyed being exposed to more indie games in the past year or so because I really am starting to see video games as a vehicle for storytelling as opposed to um, games being about, like, overcoming challenges. Yes. Um, And it's just really broadened what I feel like video games are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this seems like one of those. Yeah. I, I I absolutely agree. We've been doing the same thing. I mean, that's that's something that uh, I've been doing a lot more since the Switch uh, mm-hmm. has become a thing, just because it's the marketplace is full of that. Um, but I did look at like the other Thunder Lotus games to see. But the and this is a credit to them, not a not a diss on them or anything like that. But their other two games do seem like very very different, and like I mm. might not love them as much. Um, they just seem like entirely different games one seems very skill heavy uh like very much a challenging game yeah um but it just makes i don't know it made this more special like it's very one of a kind um and i don't know i'd love to find out i think the one thing like if i could ask them something i'd ask them about the process of making music for this game and if like I'm overthinking how important it was in like the game making process. Oh <laughs> because, yeah. You know, like it just seems like it was so essential from stage one. That's my assumption. Hmm. Interesting. Now I feel like I want to play it. I thought it was just a game that I would be content watching someone else play. Not because I don't enjoy playing them by any means. It's just like hard for me to have two hands these days. Um, well, so sure. I feel like I'm still experiencing it if I watch, but it might actually be one that I'd prefer to play myself. Yeah, it can be it can be very immersive. Like a lot of the controls, obviously not at all comparable story wise or anything like that. But sort of in the way that like Detroit Become Human forces you to do actions with your hands that yeah. mimic what's going on on the screen. And it sort of draws you into the character a little bit. It makes you feel like you're in it mm-hmm. um so I, I i think that that would probably definitely be impactful to play versus watching one thing we didn't talk about that i think looks interesting but i'm not sure if it actually matters is um the boat oh yeah yeah so you start off with like a small boat that's just got a room for you and a little uh like control panel for you to to navigate on and as you get more visitors, they all ask you to build them a place to live on it. And then you have to build little stations for crafting on it. And then as you do that, you obtain more resources. You make the boat bigger and you can build things. It's like it, it, it's really like a little city on a giant, totally not buoyant boat that would not float <laughs> on water. Yeah, because you're like building straight up. Right? Straight up in yeah. the air. Straight up into the air. Uh, so, but you you build this boat um, periodically throughout the game, and you don't actually have to build it to its final 
form that's mm. optional i think that if you are really trying to speed run this game you need to be able to make a ton of resources so you might want to build like doubles of all of the resource management portions mm. of the game mm -hmm. in which case you'd need more room I lazily went through the game and took my time with it. So I was fine with like casually obtaining things uh, and didn't need to go for the last um, size. Uh, and it's fun. You there for like some of the games you need to kind of hop all over the boat so you can try to design the boat to be like really easy to get quickly from one place to another so that you can do these like little mini games better. Um, I've is, seen. Is it challenging to design the boat effectively, or is it kind of? No, fine? it's it's kind of cool. It's like a little bit of a um, it, it's got a little bit of a Tetrisy uh feel to it, where you can look at the screen and like see what fits where and just put it. It's not okay. challenging, um, and it can always be changed, um, oh, nice. at yeah. any point. Which is fun. And I've seen people do different design things. Mine was very, like, very simple and straightforward. But people have made, like, beautiful designs out of their mm. final boats. Um, some people have organized it in interesting ways. Some people put all of the homes of the people that have passed on into one, like, section. Uh, that becomes, like, a little bit of a sort of, like, a cemetery almost um, in, in this game. Uh, just different like ways that people have have set it up and me it's just mine's <laughs> just a big old square yeah <laughs> big old square full of houses well so I feel like this isn't really poor taste oh boy because ultimately you do kill all of them <laughs> sure but since you're obligated to do a fuck Mary kill of your passengers. Okay, well, all right. Half of them are my relatives, so that's really. Uh, I think that it's redundant the killing part because sure. we kill them all. Some of them are related to me. Some of them are children. So we're gonna cut off a significant number of passengers. Well, maybe that... so. Maybe instead of kill, since they all die, it's like they don't get to move on. Oh my god. <laughs> Terrific. That's dark. Um, okay. In which case, so there's a snake. Yes. There's the lion that's a playboy. And then there's a dog that is like really snooty mm. and used to be a teacher, but probably not a good one because <laughs> she is very mean to you about getting stuff right. And I didn't like her. All right, uh, so she would, does not get to pass on. She does not get to pass on. Uh, the Playboy Lion, I guess, is is obligatory. Fuck, he bought me a lot of jewelry while he oh. was on the boat. So, like, whatever, I guess he can get it. And then Mary Summer, the snake, because I like hugging yeah. her. <laughs> what about, um, are there NPCs that aren't part of the journey? Like, uh, like Francis. Like Francis the Are there three man? of those? Yeah, there's Francis the Trash Man. There's the Turtle Sisters, which are like these giant turtles that you can like grow rocks in their back as like oh. they just do that for you as a favor. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're pretty nice. 
there's Francis the Trash Man. And then who else? Um, hang on. I forget what. I'm trying to think if there's like a merchant or something. Oh, yes, there is. That's right. There, um, what is it? A badger? Huh. Francis is a turnip, I think. What? He, I, I am looking at a picture of him right now, and I don't <laughs> think he's an animal. I think he's a plant of some kind. He's got like a little leaf coming up out of his head. I'm pretty sure that's an old garbage turnip. <laughs> um, so that's what, <laughs> that's what Francis is. Oh, uh, is a raccoon is, is the, uh, the merchant that's on land that you can go to. Um, I just and, remembered a character that I really like. Oh, which one? It's the bus stop. I never went to the bus what stop. The fuck? I missed it entirely throughout the entire game. I didn't even realize it was there. The music is so good for the bus stop and it's this funny like sea lion. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. I don't know about the sea lion, but the raccoon is really funny cuz the raccoon like does this funny thing whenever like you do business with it. There it goes. <laughs> like he just cheated you out of something. I'm a big fan of that noise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And everybody everywhere like complains about him. Like he's like the big capitalist that opened up a chain on every island. He's Tom Nook. Yeah. He's Tom Nook. Except he's like really big and doesn't (laughs) fit in his store. His tail's always like coming out one window. Oh. Yeah. I really like the raccoon. Yeah. Okay. So did we... Have you decided fuck, Mary kill for these? Okay. (laughs) So Francis, the turtle, and the raccoon. Yeah. I'm going to (laughs) say fuck the raccoon down with capitalism. Wait, fuck him or fuck him? Fuck him, meaning kill. I did the kill signal with my hands, but this is a podcast. It's not (laughs) a visual (laughs) medium. Uh, So, no, we're killing the raccoon down with capitalism. We're gonna, we're gonna marry the turtle for stability. I think they yeah. they have really good resource management skills, and you can uh, always just live on them. Yeah, they would make a really good home. They're very big, and then and then I guess fuck Francis. Although, <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> that that's really. I mean, you said it was a rotten vegetable. So. He's a rotten vegetable selling trash in the middle of the ocean. Right. So I think so, it really lines up with yes, my with my relationship <laughs> history. So I think that that's fair. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Um, so that's my choice. What about you? Except we can. You're just going off of my descriptions of things. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna insert the bus stop. Okay. And I'm going to say, I guess, Mary? Fuck or Mary. The bus stop. The sea lion. The sea lion, yes. Not the bus <laughs> okay. <stop. laughs> um, well, I guess I'll fuck the bus stop. I'm obligated to marry Frances. Yeah. And kill the raccoon. The capitalist. Yeah. Even though I like raccoons. I know, me too. I do too. I do when they're not ruining the economy, you know? Fair, fair. Yeah. 
Well, fun. Yeah. Oh, this helped me a lot because I've been, I, I, I've had a hard time since letting that go- game go. I watched the trailer the other day and just had a nice cry over oh the trailer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's. Well, I, I feel like it. you need to actually talk about it in a spoiler capacity, but I do appreciate how hard you work to not spoil it. I did. To be honest, the spoilers themselves are really minimal because I don't even actually know if my theory about the ending is right or not. It's yeah. just like a little hint. But so I think it, having a sense of it probably shapes the perception as you're playing. Yeah. I would think, yeah. I had some suspicions about it, and yeah, it did. Uh, but anyway, it felt really good to just fucking talk about it uh yeah and i hope that when everything settles down you and francis get to play it a little bit more and we can well i feel like i should play it for homework how many hours is it because we're coming up on homework we are it's it's it can be many hours i think i would have to look to see how many i played but given the fact that i like spent three days doing nothing but playing this game i would say it's probably a lot yeah okay Maybe I'll try. Give it a shot. You know. I would like to. I just don't like, I need, if I start something, I need to finish it. Yeah. Well. So it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like by the homework episode, I will need to have finished it or I'll be mad that I even started it. Okay. I'll try. Well, I don't want to put that pressure on you, but if you do try it, I'll be. Okay. Great. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, what are you doing after this? I'm moving. What are you You're doing? You're moving more. Are I'm you going to eat your now cold food? I'm going to eat that whole burrito over there. Oh, I'm very excited yum. about it. Mm-hmm. I would like a hamburger because Marty said the word hamburger so many times. <laughs> well, that's Marty's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for another good one. I'm really excited for our upcoming homeworks because there's yeah. been a lot of fun things in them. There has been a lot. Well, thank you very much for explaining this to me, Diana. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Don't at me if I was wrong about anything. I don't want to hear it. We've never been wrong about anything. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.